0: Justin, what's cracking, my man?
1: Man, I'm excited for today's podcast. We have an amazing guest here to talk about diversity in sports, among other fun and important topics. Uh, we got Gronk catching footballs out of helicopters. We got Tiger Woods making his recovery. I, I mean, overall, it's just going to be a good podcast. I'm excited, my man.
0: Yo, it's going to be awesome. Also, you know, uh, I heard you got your 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 first dose
1: of the I, the vaccine. I did right here. Five. <laughs> Pfizer gang. <laughs> Pfizer gang. <laughs> Pfizer gang. <laughs> and is, y- there,
0: is there like a hand sign or something like that? we gang or something like that? I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> there we go.
0: <laughs> Total BS podcast coming your way right now.
1: Yo, your fans just might turn into off fans. Be cool. It's just a part of this program. Bitches best 16 if you must. you not whack. You just sound whack rapping after us. For real. Saul, so yes. I, w- I, w- I was going to throw up another P, but I think that's a Pyrus, and I don't want to get anybody confused. I'm Pfizer, I, not Pyrus.
0: I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> that.
1: Uh, Arnest I believe, is also
0: a Pfizer uh, recipient, and uh, she's agreed to come on and talk about a little bit of diversity in sports, uh, talk about what she's got going on, and uh, she's uh, with the Blue Wire Pods. She's the director of communications. It's the one and only Miss Megan Reyes. How's it going, Megan?
2: hello everyone uh, and hi hi to you both thanks for having me yes I am also Pfizer gang so there you go
0: there we go we got we gotta figure out what the hand signal is now because uh, Justin got that that ball rolling
2: <laughs> so. we're gonna make it a movement.
0: <laughs> so, so uh, Megan, you know, I obviously, you know, we came across your your profile on on Twitter, first and foremost, and uh, just love the stuff that you're putting out very much about inclusion and diversity. Uh, How did that all come about in terms of uh, creating those shirts that were actually that are really cool? Let me just say that.
2: Thank you. I, um, I should have worn it today, but I was on... Uh, two different speaking conferences the last two days where everyone made me wear it. And so
0: like, i like, should probably,
2: I should do laundry. And someone actually asked me how many I have personally. And I said, oh, I have one. So I should probably do the lineup. But yeah, um, I, I, I believe so strongly in both diversity and inclusion in sport. And to your point, um, on International Women's Day, March 8th, I launched a shirt to really just spread how important this message um, and cause is. So um, it, it's a shirt that. That says more female, black, Latinx, indigenous, Asian, LGBTQ plus voices in sports. And um, I, I, I always want to preface that those are only some of the marginalized communities, both in, in sports and society. So it's not representative of the whole, but certainly just a small. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's just there a small go. part of, of the more voices we need. And uh, the story behind it is is actually kind of an uninteresting story in the sense that I just. I I don't even know where the idea came from. It just kind of came to my mind. It's something I believe so passionately in. Um, Somebody asked me, you know, you should do your own merch. And I sort of married the two. And that design you see there is the first outline and layout that popped in my mind. And I, you know, I mocked it up, showed it to a few people, a few friends, few people that represented each community. And everyone was like, this is going to do great. Did I think it was going to be what it is now? Absolutely not. I had a goal of 78 shirts. I was going to keep this thing going for a couple weeks through end of March. And now I'm at like over 700 and it's just not stopping anytime soon. And it's just, I know it's completely blown me away. I'm so grateful for everyone's support, but it's been a lot of fun.
1: That's awesome. So so why black and gold?
2: Okay. So.
0: Harboring that Wiz Khalifa is what she's doing.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, this was not a biased choice. I, um, I'm, I'm a diehard Saints fan. I grew up a Saints fan. However, However, that did not uh, go into the planning of the shirt. I wanted something that was going to pop. I was playing with blues, I was playing with reds, I was playing with different colors, but something about the yellow just made it a little bit more neutral. And some people have made the same comment of like, oh, of course you picked a gold color, or some other people, some friends were like, oh, I'm so glad that you picked the Steelers colors, now I can wear it to games and such. But uh, it, it kind of just worked out that way. I swear it had nothing to do with my Saints fandom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let's get to it. You know, you know you're, you're a woman in the sports industry, or, or were you with the Warriors and in the Athletic, and now you're with Blue Wire Pods. Um, so you've seen it firsthand about diversity, inclusion. The Warriors are actually one of the, the organizations that celebrate that, I think, the most and actually preach what they, what they put out there. Uh, but in terms of women in sports, um, you know, it can be a difficult trek to get into that ball game and 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 really prove, quote unquote, that you belong. You know what I mean. And so, so what 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 are you seeing out there? Obviously, on the heels of the NCAA women's tournament and the lack of equality, man, which is just absurd. What are you seeing in terms of progress? Things that are happening, and what are you seeing in terms of how far we really do have to go?
2: Sure. Uh... Oh, so many thoughts. I don't even I know. Well, <laughs> um, so I'll look at it from a couple different facets. I'll look at it from being a woman who works in the industry on, um, kind of on the behind the scenes side, and then also what it's like for for women athletes. For myself, as someone as a woman who who works in the industry on um, behind the scenes, both in my experience on the team side and then also media. Um, I think where we are now is we've done better job at making sure we're putting women in different positions, especially positions of power. Um, You look at Kim Ng, that's an incredible example. And some of the many others that I feel awful, I can't even think of their names off the top of my head. But there's many, many others, um, both in men's and women's leagues, in positions of power. I still think we have so far to go. It's great that we're making progress. But there should just be more of us everywhere. Um, And I always challenge companies and brands and teams to make sure that it's from a genuine place, of course, and not to check a box. Um, And I think that's what's so important when it comes to any dialogue around diversity, whether we're talking gender um, or or race, is to make sure it's from a genuine place and not because you just kind of have to do it from an optics perspective. I'm seeing the industry become more accepting as far as I think where this industry was just not that long ago and it still kind of exists today in, in certain parts that a lot of us women felt like we had to be competitive with one another because we felt like there were only so many spots and it was it's a um, it's it's just like a misinformed I guess, concept that was created for us that there's only so many spaces so rather than being an ally this person is now going to be my competition yeah i think we've gotten better at becoming a community social media has helped so much with that i think and that's sort of where i try to use my platform is, is i i want other women especially college students and young women aspiring to be in the industry to see that you're not alone i i personally and i don't know if everybody can speak the same way every woman but i could probably assume most when i started in the industry in you know 2009 2010 when i was in college i felt alone because i didn't see enough women, let alone women of color, women that looked like me in the industry and also social media didn't really exist. So it was harder to connect. So now that we're in 2021 and have all this technology and have the ability to just talk to one another. And I say I have all these friends that I've actually never met in real life, but I have all these friends who I can I can help them see that there are so many of us that are warm and welcoming and want you to succeed. I just hope that that becomes a norm because there still are pockets of the industry, as I'm sure with many other industries where women are marginalized, that we are not competition, but, you know, we are all friends and this is a community on the women athletes side. The NCAA was an incredible (laughs) example of
1: uh, how
2: far we still have to go. The problem, the problem I have with that is it wouldn't have become such public Knowledge and nothing would have been done about it had social media not existed. Because if you, I mean, I wasn't a college athlete, but if you talk to any woman who played college athletics, no one was surprised. This is how they've always been treated. It's just, it became viral because of Sedona's TikTok and because TikTok and social media exists where people can actually outcry and call for action. But this has been going on pre Title Nine, post Title Nine. It's never changed, and there's still so far to go. I mean, personally, there's the the um, NCA Men's tournament, you know, and then the, they call it the Women's tournament, or they call it Final Four, and then they call it the Women's Final Four. Or now there's actually the the volleyball tournament going on that no one's really talking about, and there's still so so far to go. I just hope that this is just. This is only the tip of the iceberg, but I really hope that the, uh, the energy stays there as far as everyone calling for more and more and more.
1: Yeah. Twitter is so great to connect people. Like you said, there are so many people who I've never met in my entire life, but I consider them like great friends. Like one guy who comes on this podcast all the time, Jabari Davis, Mm -hmm. Saul and I, can agree that we both think that he's an amazing guy. We consider him a great friend. We've never met him in person at all. So I think, I think that right there is a classic case of just how Twitter connects people. But then it also exposes everything that's going on behind the scenes. You kind of get to see how the sausage is made. And with that, it puts pressure on the NCAA. So do you think with what happened at the NCAA tournament this year and the the excuse that, oh, there wasn't any room, there wasn't enough room for the weight room was just a bullshit <laughs> excuse because yeah. Sedona would pan the camera over and there's this wide open warehouse where they could have a full weight room. So mm-hmm. do you think now we're starting to turn a corner with social media and how the NCAA operates?
2: Sir, I mean, yeah, because I think these things can't be swept under the rug anymore. I think the hope was that nobody would have known about this because... The, the problem if we're looking at the weight room specifically is there was so much planning and logistics and intention behind that, that you can't, it wasn't a hodgepodge mistake. You know, they knew exactly what resources were being supplied for the men and exactly what resources were not being supplied. They got yoga mats. <laughs> they got a few yoga mats and a few dumbbells. Like they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, but I think social media does help us turn that corner because now especially after the tournaments all eyes are on what's going to happen next because it, you can't make that mistake twice now because now you're if, if that happens you're just you're just proving that you just kind of don't care
0: yeah so so here here's okay we're going to we're probably going to go down this a rabbit hole here
2: I like rabbit holes
0: okay so <laughs> when we're talking about the women versus the men right the first yeah. thing people want to point to is viewership and revenue right <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, it's, it's, um, sometimes it's an unfair argument. However, it, it is a worthy one in terms of what we're comparing the two entities to be. For instance, the WNBA and the NBA. Okay. Um, ticket sales, uh, you know, that viewership, like that all plays a part in terms of why NBA players get paid X amount of dollars and, uh, the women players get, get paid X amount of dollars. What is your, what is your argument in terms of, we're well, not even an argument, but what, is, what are your thoughts in terms of how, how to combat that?
2: Sure, I mean, I, I understand. I, I, sort of understand the, <laughs> I sort of understand the revenue and the viewership argument mm-hmm. that people make when they want to say women's sports will not succeed. Because we all know, yes, sports is a business model. I actually had, I'm going to go on, I'm going to go on my own side rabbit hole. Someone the other week on Twitter tell me that I had replied to a tweet um, from my former employer at The Athletic, love them dearly. And it was about Megan Rapinoe's comments towards Draymond. And all I said was like, Queen has spoken. Somebody replied to me and said, she may have spoken, but she's incorrect. Simple economics would help you understand this and i have learned to as i've gotten older as i've gotten more active on social i've got, i've learned and gotten better at leaving the trolls alone but i could not leave this one alone so <laughs> i threw back in his face that i have a business degree i understand simple, simple economics i actually didn't add in that my dad is a, a finance and economics professor but thank you for that, oh, uh, for that. <laughs> thank subtle, you for the subtle feedback. flex right
0: there subtle That's flex that.
2: there you go thanks for the feedback so coming back to that sure it is it is a business model and yes, there's supply and demand. But where I get frustrated with that is there is a demand. And what people want to say is, well, there's no supply because there's no demand. We are literally demanding <laughs> for more women's sports on TV. And there's even that BBC article that came out the other day that was like the no shit, Sherlock. Uh, oh, women's sports would su- succeed if they had more visibility. Yes, we know yeah. this. We've been saying this, like we have literally been saying this. So where it's a frustrating argument, while sure, inherently, you want a sports as a business model, it has been proven time and time again, especially in the last year since the pandemic, that women's sports ratings do go up when you put them on TV. We saw that with the the W last year in the bubble. We saw that with the NWSL last year post World Cup. We saw it with the NCAA Women's Tournament. We are continuing to see this trend. As as long as you're delivering and providing the product, people are consuming. And so that's why it's such a frustrating argument because it's like it's a chicken and an egg. As long as you continue to not provide the product, the ratings won't go up. It's, it's really actually quite as simple as that. So that's why I get so frustrated because people point to, to numbers and they pull out all these graphs. And it's like, yes, but you're leaving out the very simple fact that they're just not being put on TV. And the more you do it, I guarantee you, you will see different trends.
1: Well, don't a lot of WNBA players uh, go overseas? They do. Because there's more money opportunities overseas. Mm-hmm. Yes, Mm-hmm. B- basketball. It, this isn't soccer. Like this isn't where soccer is more popular in Europe or any parts of the country. I mean, basketball is a very popular sport in the United States. And to the fact that a lot of WNBA players are going overseas to get better financial opportunities is just absolutely absurd. And I think a big part of that, like you said, is just the amount of exposure that they're getting.
0: Well, it's also the the structure of the WNBA in, in, in itself, right? Sure. Like a 32-game season doesn't do shit. Let me just say it like that, okay? Yeah. I, I, you know, if you if you want to get compensated fairly and equally to the men, like I do think that they need to change that structure. You need to have, you know, at least 60 games, you know, I, I think. And you need to have an extended playoff. These three-game series, they don't do it for me. It gives you a short window to see the excellence of these women. That's why they have to go overseas and play 50, 60 games, and they have a much better system over there, and they get paid. And they get paid in the millions. Like Diana Taurasi, I think she was she was getting some like between $1 and $2 million when she was playing in Russia, like – she should be she's the goat like she should be getting that much here and there's more exposure here in America. But that's that's part of the problem. What Megan was alluding to. But Megan, you know, when we circle back around and we talk about uh, equality, um, one of the things that has kind of come up and I apologize for throwing you a curveball here. I do. But one of the things one of the things that that I was thinking about uh both because of a lack of education in terms of what this really means, but also um, what the future uh, has in store. Uh, the trans community, okay? Uh, when we're talking about the trans community and obviously there's the debate out there, whether um, you know, men that, that alter their physical being to be, to be a woman or, or identify as a woman uh, can compete with women uh, and vice versa. Uh, there's that argument out there. Uh, what are your general thoughts on on that particular argument and and how how those things should unfold? Because honestly, I think I think part of the problem here is the lack of education and the lack of understanding. Um, and and I'll be fairly, I'll be completely honest here. I too suffer from this lack of education because I just don't yeah. understand. And it's hard to bring up that conversation with somebody that might be in that that role. Um, without feeling like I might offend them uh, if I'm just asking general questions about, like, why?
2: Yeah, you know, education, especially on these types of topics, are so important. And I'll be also transparent that there is so much more I could educate myself on. There are a ton of resources and a ton of organizations that do a really great job of advocating for trans athletes, um, like, Pretty shameless plug, but the Burn It Out," "Burn It All Down podcast on the Blue Wire Network, they spend a lot of time talking about, well, really just, they, they call themselves like the sports feminist podcast, but talking about these different rights. And they do spend a lot of time talking about um, trans rights in, in sports. So uh, there are certainly so many things that I need to still educate myself on. But I do understand that for a lot of people, it, there's just that lack of knowledge. But where what I appreciate is when people admit that, And just say like you know i want to learn and that's what's most important really with any of these conversations is the willingness to listen and most importantly the willingness to listen and learn where what i believe is i believe it with any other marginalized group is that trans athletes have the right to play in their sport with their identified gender just as anyone else and so there's all these laws that are being passed and almost Half the states, I mean, I don't know the exact number, but so many states are trying to pass these laws banning trans athletes from playing sports. And it's just so upsetting because if you really look at what sport is to us as as human beings, it is is something that both when you're playing it. It makes you feel good. You're athletic. You're being, um, you're being active. It's good for your body. It's a, it's an outlet to do something that you love. And for us as fans, it's something that we get to all come up, um, come together around. Hello, Twitter. Like that's literally why Twitter. Yeah. So on. that's why we're on this podcast together, you know, watching games with your friends and your family. So at the core we're all just humans that have something that we want to bond over and have a passion and regardless of however a person identifies gender wise they should be able to do the thing they love and that's really like that's sort of my like i don't know like how, how to say this that's sort of my like uh, everyone should love with love answer but yeah. i just that's that's really at the core, what I believe with so much of this, like if a man identifies as a woman, if a trans man identifies as a trans man, he should be able to play in the sport that he wants to play with other people who identify as the same gender.
0: For sure, for sure. I, I think you know we we get it. We can go down this rabbit hole forever, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I think one of the main arguments would be the 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 perception. Of a competitive disadvantage or a competitive advantage uh, for somebody, depending on when they make that transformation, mm-hmm. um, and in relation to, uh, you know, like for instance, the, the biggest argument would be uh, a man identifying as a woman and then competing with women. Uh, that's that's the the sticking point where for a lot of people, I think, and I think that's where the lack of education comes into play. Uh, if people understood what. What that transformation really means, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that transformation. It's not just, oh, OK, a cut and a snip and that's it. Like I'm good. No, it's it's mm-hmm. far more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the education part of that is the most valuable for sure.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Uh, just go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, um, what's next for you, Megan? I mean, what are, what are you currently working on right now? Any important <laughs> projects work wise?
2: Lots of things going on. I mean, just to touch on like the merch again, like lots of exciting things. Again, I had no idea it was going to become what it has. Which,
1: by the way, who's like the the one person where you're like, "Whoa, they're rocking my shirt." That's pretty cool. <laughs>
2: um, I I see every single order that comes through, and trust me, every single order <laughs> that comes through, regardless of who it is, I definitely freak out a little bit because it's just so exciting like it doesn't matter who it is but i see i see some of the names and some of them have not gotten it yet um but it's it's very exciting to see media and influencers and athletes starting to 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 order and so i'm very excited about who may be getting these shirts soon um more to come on that
1: they're they're like her kids they're all great (laughs) There's no pecking order. They're all great. (laughs) all
0: great. I
2: love all my kids' employees. Yeah, I just didn't expect it to become what it has. Uh, I think it's an incredible case study of uh, social media because that's truly the only marketing effort I've put behind it is social, and it's snowballed into what it has. But some exciting projects that are coming specifically for the shirts. Um, And then work-wise, I mean – I've been at Blue Wire for a little over two months now, and we're working on some really incredible things. Um, we have our live podcast studio coming at Win Resort.
0: right? right? Oh, Wynn yeah. Resort. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yes. Um, so we are having a live podcast, interactive, gorgeous space built in the Wind Resort lobby. Uh, shoot, they had say no more like you, you want us to to come hang out in vegas and create content around sports we are there and harvey um kevin our founder actually posted a photo this morning on social that uh there is a now a a sign up in the wind resort that says blue wire podcast live studio coming soon so that's, that's very dope exciting. that it's is dope. incredible it, it's right right in the middle of their lobby and we're gonna do lots of fun things. We're going to bring our podcast hosts in, content creators, influencers, athletes. We're just going to make some really cool stuff. Um, While we are a sports audio company, we, we want to be more than that. We want to get into lifestyle, comedy, culture, fashion, all the things that make that sort of encompass to what sports represent. So lots of really fun projects. Every single day I'm hearing about said content creator said athlete that we're gonna we're gonna work on some projects for so it's really exciting it's only been a couple months the company itself is only a few years old but we're we're ready to to make some big splashes so um i wish i could share more but that's just gonna be my little bit of teaser of all okay she's got
0: she's got an embargo she's got (laughs) you've said too much she's gonna get a needle (laughs) to the neck here in a second yeah he's gonna (laughs)
2: tell me to tell all the things but no i'm just gonna (laughs) angle the carrot
0: that's awesome las vegas yeah awesome. i mean I, there's there's a lot oh, more man. things that are worse than going to vegas and hanging out and doing some cool stuff and so that that's uh that's definitely a bucket list thing there you go well yeah. megan congratulations on on all this stuff you know the yeah. the blue wire uh, obviously the position at blue wire also you also worked at the athletic the warriors uh i mean you're like so damn young this is crazy like you've done so much in such a small amount of time it's phenomenal I, I i can't even say enough about that He's
2: very blessed thank you for having me this was so fun
0: for, for sure megan reyes from blue wire pods thank you so much for joining us we'll uh, catch up soon
2: thank you
1: thanks megan
0: all right so megan dropping some knowledge especially on the that was great you know on, on the diversity front uh i, th- I kind of threw her curveball a little bit with the with the with the trans question but you know i think that's a legit question that you know I, I have questions about it, and me too. You know, having to educate ourselves on this topic is something that is, yeah, I mean, it it, it is here. Like we we need to, and uh, I figured asking her a question to to get her perspective since she's heavily involved in that kind of diversity um, forefront it would be good.
1: Well, so much is changing in the world, and it's changing at a rapid pace, right? So I think for us as good human beings and being loving and welcoming to others. Cause listen, everybody's going to be different. Mm-hmm. And I think we, there's a tolerance level that we all need to have as people. And I think rather than just being so close minded and ignorant, we need to be willing to sit down, educate ourselves and hear different voices because you just, you never know. And I've um, unfortunately I've seen, you know, some people who are, you know, are just always close minded and will never, Be willing to hear others, but I just think now with so much changing, we need to do better as people and be willing to hear these different voices. So
0: absolutely, absolutely, you know, and uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that that we love about the world. There's a lot of stuff that we don't love about the world, but um, you know, change is inevitable, and the more you embrace it, and the more you learn about it, and the more you accept it, uh, the better off we're all going to be. And I think that's uh, that's a good thing. And speaking of change. The University of Arizona football team is going through some major changes right now. And this today, actually, and I know you're going to be a busy guy later on this afternoon, um, the spring football game. And they have two special guests. They have Teddy Bruski, former U of A alum, or a U of A alum, and Rob Gronkowski, Gronk, as we all know. Gronk. Obviously. And my man Gronk did something pretty cool yesterday, uh, breaking a world record, by uh, catching a football out of a helicopter.
1: The best part is Teddy Brewski. It is. It is. I mean, that is just, you can
0: watch that on the loop over and over and over again. It just never gets tiring. You know, we're going to watch it one more time because it's just that awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) That's so Uh, great, man. That's just so awesome, man. It's just great content right there. Believe
1: it or not, that's a football team that's riding a 12 game losing streak and went winless during the COVID 19 affected season. So the fact that there is just so much buzz around this program is pretty remarkable. What Jed fish has done. But think about this. Rob Gronkowski has been an NFL player for since what? 2010. That's when he got drafted. And ever since then, well actually after his rookie season, he hasn't been to the university of Arizona. He's never been back to his old stomping grounds for a spring game Uh, for a game in general they've had a bobblehead night for Gronk they've done promos for Gronk but they never actually have Rob Gronkowski come back and for him to come back to the U of A and set a Guinness world record Mm -hmm. because it was 600 feet in the air the old record was 563 feet for Gronk to do that come back to his alma mater man I, I think is incredible and man I'm just thinking about all the drinks that he's consuming (laughs) during this weekend because you know Gronk is a party animal and now and now he's back in his element he's back at party central oh uh, I can't even
0: imagine what's going on right now uh, down at the University of Arizona I mean Gronk is a special kind of dude right you just he's the kind of dude that you feel like you would want to go party with but you only want to go party with like at the beginning of the party because if it gets too late you don't want to be around for him like smashing windows or, you know, you know, just doing crazy stuff. So uh, I mean,
1: you don't pretty- want to hang out with Gronk after one a.m. <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't. No, you don't. He's definitely going
0: Hulk smash on a lot of uh, things. I'm sure he's like but, a party you know, gremlin. But that's but that's also you know the cool thing about you know some of these programs around the country, right? They embrace they embrace what it is that you are a part of. And I think that's what Jed Fish has done at the University of Arizona. He's embraced the atmosphere of being on a college campus. And I think so many coaches are so serious and so like bottom line about what they're doing uh, that they ignore the fact that, you know, Justin, let's be real. You and I have have covered that this program for for several years, me being disconnected for the last two. But for a large part of our student years, it was like athletics was an ivory tower. And er then there's everybody else. And I feel like that 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 joining of the two was vital. And, and the reason why you had so much su- success and so much community buy in early on with the Lute Olson era, um, Dick Tomey era, you had, you know, the students felt like they were a part of it. Um, and then I felt like there was a little bit of a disconnect. It's great to see that there's a little bit of a merging of the two now. Um, and then you're bringing in Tommy Lloyd and uh, as part of this. And Adia Barnes has been great in the community. Uh, coaches that do well in the community typically do well on the field. And it's because people, they want to support you. You know, They love the U of A,
1: but they want to buy into you just as much.
0: And I think that's what's so important about this.
1: When they also want to relate to you. Yes. I'm sorry, but I couldn't relate to Sean Miller. I couldn't no, relate no. to yeah. to Rich Rodriguez. They were just very rigid people. I couldn't relate to Kevin Sumlin because you know, he would show up in these like $10,000 suits looking very lavish and you just always tell could tell that, you know, Kevin Sumlin was was here and everybody was kind of down here and but that's just that's just the reputation that he built because he was a high-profile college football coach at Texas A&M at one point in his career. Yeah. And then he comes to Arizona and it's a job where you actually have to grind and hustle and put every ounce of your energy into the program because it's not Texas A and M, and he he just never really got that. And going back to the relation piece, you never saw Kevin Sumlin out in the community or doing uh, uh, as many social media posts as a guy like Jed Fish. Like Jed Fish is embracing Tucson and he's he has the program with its arms wide open, just welcoming everybody that's willing to hop on the bandwagon right now. Yeah. And you never got that with the previous coaches and in a yeah. college town in college towns, that's important because it's super important. It's all we got super important. You know, I I, I,
0: I had, I, I spent a, a year in Manhattan, Kansas and Bill Snyder um, is a legend uh, in, in at, for K state And um, one of the things that Bill Snyder did early on is is he had great community relations to the point where everybody bought into him. You're talking about a 20,000-person town that on game day changes to 67,000 people in the stadium. That's three times the local um, population. Why? Because everybody loves Bill Snyder because he built that program from one of the worst in college football to where it is today by not only – getting the type of people that he wanted in that program, but also endearing himself to the local community and wanting to be a fabric a part of the fabric of that community. And I think that's what's the, the most important part here is that you need to buy in. It, there, my, one of my favorite movies is Crazy Stupid Love. I know it's silly, whatever. <laughs> but in that scene, there's a scene where where Steve Carell is kind of going through a midlife crisis. He's he's getting divorced, all this stuff. And Ryan Gosling is trying to teach him how to be like a, a, a more smooth man, right? Like a, a ladies man, whatever. And uh, and he was like, yeah, I got these pants of the gap. And Ryan Gosling walks out And Steve Carell chases him. He's like, what's wrong? And he's just like, Cal, be better than the Gap. And he slaps him in the face. He's like, be better than the Gap. And in in my estimation here, it's like, hey, be better than the last guy. And the way you do that is by endearing yourself to the community and don't think that you are too important to replace because you're not. None of us are. Anybody can be replaced. Nobody's more important than the the school and the community. They're just not. There's not one. I, I've never subscribed to that. That's one thing about, you know, sitting in front of Sean Miller uh, in, in 2017, 18, when when the FBI investigation was coming about and he had his spiel about, you know, I can't wait for the truth to come out. And I've never done this, whatever. And I sat there and I just thought, like, I hope this guy's telling the truth. A, and I really hope that there's a point in time here in the short term future where I can start to buy into who this guy is as a man. Because I don't know anything about him, and he's been the coach at the University of Arizona for almost a decade. Like, I should know more about him. And I'm not saying, like, we need to have paparazzi, and I'm not saying we need to know everything about his kids or anything like that. But, damn, you know, outside of X's and O's, what are you about? You know what I mean? Like, what's your favorite food? Like, oh, shit, you know, fish loves pizza. I love pizza. Oh, fish went to no anchovies. I love no, no anchovies. Okay, now we now we, we have a connection and we don't even know each other. And you were just talking about it with Megan Reyes a little bit ago. Twitter and social media has made that so much easier for people to connect. And if you don't take advantage of that opportunity, you're missing a big portion of involvement from everybody that surrounds you. And I think that's what Judd Fish has done. I think that's what Adia Barnes does. Uh, we'll, we'll wait to see about Tommy Lloyd and how he does. But, man, be better than the gap. There exactly.
1: You. I love it. I love it. And, you know, all those the people that are in at the U of A right now are just so personable. They're relatable. You know, the, the story about Tommy Lloyd that I just sat back yeah. and was like, dude, you're like a normal dude. He, when he was an, a volunteer assistant at Gonzaga for those two years before he was officially on Mark Few's staff, he was unpaid. He did not earn a single paycheck being a volunteer assistant at Gonzaga. So how did he pay the bills? Well, his wife had a job at Macy's and they were just living paycheck to paycheck every single month. And Tommy Lloyd said, no, 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 no. You may think it was rough then. Those were the best years of my life. It was just us two. And I was starting my passion and my dream. And I had my partner there with me every step of the way, helping me out any way that she could. And hearing that, I'm like, dude, I know more about Tommy Lloyd just in that 30 minutes of talking to him than I ever did with Sean Miller. And, and that's just the kind of people that they are. And if that's how Sean Miller operates, so be it. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, Sean Miller's a bad person because I've had some off-the-cuff conversations with Sean Miller, but it was always about the Pittsburgh Steelers. We just talked about who the Steelers are playing, the guys that are injured, this and that. But it's it's publicly known that Sean Miller's a diehard Steelers fan. So that's the only thing I know about Sean Miller. He's from Pittsburgh. He's a big football fan, likes the Steelers, went to the University of Pittsburgh, but outside of that, not so much. Yeah. And
0: yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But, uh, you know, moving along, you know, we were talking about crashes and stuff like that. Uh, Tiger Woods, unfortunate car accident, but he uh, is starting to make a recovery. And uh, he he actually posted to his Instagram, uh, which I'm about to pull up here. And, uh, you know, he looks like he's on the men. He's looking pretty good, looking still looking fit as always. But, uh, uh, you know, he's got his dog on the golf course. And uh, I guess this is one of the golf courses that he he's designed and, and is in the middle of renovating. So, uh, yeah, general thoughts on Tiger Woods and uh, his possible comeback here, hopefully within the next year.
1: I love it. And I remember a, a couple years ago or a few years ago after you know he was dealing with the back surgery and a lot of people were not really sure you know whether he's going to come back or not and then he posts a video of him hitting the driver saying feeling good back on the course and everyone was like no way is tiger woods really going to come back and then this dude comes back and wins the freaking masters in 2019 mm-hmm. when i heard about this car accident i was not thinking about his comeback i don't know i don't want to see golf's god return to his elements and be Tiger Woods again. I just wanted Tiger Woods to be healthy and alive again. Mm. But to see him on the course with his leg wrapped up, smiling with his dog next to him, it, it gets me giddy to think yeah. about the possibility that Tiger Woods could come back to golf. But I just think, you know, right now it's all about one step forward or one step in front of the other, just getting better one day at a time and, and getting back and just being available for your kids. You know, yeah. Tiger Woods has been through so much in his life. He, um, you know, may have more time to spend with his kids now. And, I, I, and you know, thinking about stuff like that just makes me really happy.
0: Well, I think, and honestly, you know, when you have a long layoff like this, um, you know, I think that's, you know, he's had a history of back issues. And I think this could only help, right, uh, as long as he didn't get, you know, further injured uh, from the car accident with his back. But, uh, you know, it, it could probably give him a little uh, un- Unplanned rest, but a good rest. That's you know, a good point. You know what I mean. And so, so looking forward to having him back as well. But you know, I I keep going back to the Tiger Woods documentary that ran on HBO uh, a couple months ago, which I was not a big fan of. But there was this one scene where. Uh, they were going into the final day of the masters in 2019 and Armin contained was like, yeah, I remember interviewing guys and they were like, you know, they're the young guys. They had never seen tiger coming <laughs> down the stretch of a major, you know, in contention. And he was like, yeah. And a lot of these young guys were like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And the fuck Armin you Kante- do. <laughs> yeah, and <Armin laughs> saying, yeah, the fuck you do. You don't want tiger <laughs> on that in that stage at that moment, because there's a lot of pressure on everybody else. And sure enough, he, he, everybody faltered and and Tiger walked through the door with another green jacket, 15th major of all time. And, uh, and so hopefully he can make a full recovery. Maybe, uh, hopefully he'll be back on the golf course here in the short term or in the future and, uh, competing in majors again, that would be great. But, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, as, as we speak about this, uh, there is another, um, you know, I hate to, I hate to bring it up. Um, but you know, the unfortunate, Accident with um, Terrence Lawrence, or Terrence Clark, uh, who was not fortunate enough to survive a car accident this week. The Kentucky basketball player, only nineteen years old, passed away. Um, you know, in a car accident this week, and a lot of love and support has been poured out to not only him but his family um, for this unfortunate and untimely death.
1: I, I'm just sad, really. Um, this was a guy who was going to be a a draft pick. He was going to turn pro and live out his dreams as an NBA player. And he was a part of the Kentucky basketball program. Uh, John Calipari just developed a a great tight knit relationship with him as he does with every single one of his players uh, that comes to that program. And how could you not, you know, coach Cal is just an unbelievable person, but You know, Terrence Clark was just such a young man, 19 years old, Mm. had his whole life ahead of him. I was just thinking about, you know, what my life was like at 19 years old. And and to think like for it to end at that point in my life, I just feel for his mother. I feel for his family members because they have to see their loved one who was just such a talented person but also a great person hearing all the stories about how he was as a person and how he always lit up the room with his personality uh getting to know terrence clark just by the the quotes and every and the perspective that a lot of people have provided it just it just makes me sick to my stomach you know hearing that news and i think what's right is the boston celtics should have an honorary draft pick for terrence clark because he grew up in the Boston area, he was a Celtics diehard. There are photos of Jason Tatum running down the court, and Terrence Clark is the only one standing up screaming because he's such a diehard Celtics fan. Hmm. Um, I think the Boston Celtics should find a way to give him an honorary pick, um, have a member of his family accepted on his behalf, and um, I think it would just be such a great tribute. And uh, rest in power, Terrence Clark.
0: For sure, for sure, you know, it's a sad turn of events for for that young man, and um, you know hopefully his 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 family can can find some peace in their heart um, as we move forward. you know when when somebody passes away that suddenly and and unexpectedly, you know it, it can really shock. Um, not only the the people closest to him, but, you know, obviously, you know, people around him, you know, uh, Kelly Oubre, uh, you know, uh, paid tribute to him on his shoes the other day, you know, a, a lot of countless other NBA players have, have uh, really taken this one to heart. And uh, it's unfortunate um, that that should happen. But yeah, um, so you know, I hate to to move along on a, uh, from a somber note. But uh, I would like to thank Megan Reyes uh, for joining us today on the Total BS Podcast. Uh, great conversation uh, about diversity, the WNBA, the NBA, college athletics, uh, the trans community, the whole nine yards. If you didn't get a chance to, to listen to it, we will have it on our podcast platforms as well. And uh, we got a lot of cool things coming up ahead. A lot of cool guests. So as yeah. always, you know, Justin, tell them where they can find us.
1: Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you can listen to a podcast. Total BS is on there. And we're also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Give us a like and a follow there. And then to watch the live stream, you can check us out on Facebook or you can subscribe to the Total BS YouTube page. There you go. Still undisputed (laughs) heavyweight champions, Total BS Podcast.
0: There you go. Always (laughs) always undefeated. Uh on this podcast. So uh that's for Justin Spears. I'm Saul Bookman. We'll see you next time. We'll see you when we see you. Peace.
1: Yo, your fans just might turn into all fans. Be cool and just a part of this program. Spit your best sixteen if you months, you not whack. you